love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. Great, Jonathan. Good. I often ask uh, Stephen when he's on the program if he just gets totally tired of that intro, you know, because the same thing. And what else can you say, right? One of these days you're just going to have to. I should just say I'm really start, not doing great today, Jonathan. Start sobbing and, <laughs> That's right. you know, which you could because recently you had a pretty bad uh, water accident in your home. And so, but we don't go, want to go in that That's story. That's right. It's all good now. We're. We're working through your post-traumatic stress. That's right. So, okay. Well, um, as long as I don't hear any dripping water, I'm yeah. okay. <laughs> exactly. Now you know why that's been a torture technique that's right. in, the, in, in the past. So, uh, this week, uh, folks, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, whatever Lee is going to tell you we're going to talk about. Because we talked a little bit off air about this, and I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about, even though it's a really, really heavy topic. But I think for many of you listeners, it's going to resonate with you in a way, and especially maybe for parents, too to be able to understand maybe how to better connect with their children in, in new hope-filled ways rather than critical, demeaning, you know, um, shut down your children kind of ways. So why don't you tell us where we're going to go? Well, great, Jonathan. Yeah, um, it's kind of ominous. I understand that. It's this uh, thing that I call a critical spirit. Some people get a little nervous when you start talking about spirits, but uh, I think in general it's this uh, kind of this just this general vibe that runs through a family that just kind of says you cannot really ever do anything just quite as good as I'd like you to. And that, you know, a lot of parents out there maybe, you know, kind of their ears are perking up right now like, oh, you know, maybe I've done that or maybe I haven't done that. Uh, it is very ambiguous. It's not a real um, solid thing that you can put your finger on, but it it is a it is certainly a a system a family system that kind of begins to develop and it's that spirit of that family system that begins to break down especially in same-sex attraction it begins to break down a boy's belief that he's okay in general yeah and the hard part is you know you talk about parents kind of perking up and wondering it's not like you can sort of like put on a mood ring and it turns black if you've right. got a critical spirit so, you know there's it's it's um and i often i really think this is something that typically is generational in nature. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I tend to think that maybe while there may have been sort of a gradual descent into a family history where there's this critical spirit, I think it's something that can go on for generations where it's, um, 
it kind of permeates the family history as far in, the good news I think it can be broken but I sure. think I don't think a, I don't think a family just gets there like in one generation maybe I'm wrong on that but it just seems like to me there's always been sort of a history where you know you talk to a guy in counseling and he can go back to his grandfather or you know and then stories his grandfather would tell of his dad sure. or, you know that there's just always this you're not good enough you don't measure up um and it may not even be in that clear of terms sure it's usually not i mean and that's why it's very hard to pinpoint and a lot of people deny that it's ever been in their family and and what I usually look for as far as the little uh, road signs that say there might be a critical spirit here is when a guy tells me he grew up in an almost perfect family, you know, uh, that everything was great, that mom always had dinner ready at 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening and dad always came home around 5.30 or 6. And, you know, if he was late, then, yeah, there was a little bit of a, a, a ruffle in the feathers. But I oh. hope my mother's not listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, she... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard on all mothers and fathers yeah. to look at it, but it's it's that critical spirit that kind of says, you know, it's like one guy told me once, he said, you know, and I, it was an amazing example of a critical spirit. He said he had gone out to dinner, I guess, with his, his parents, and he's an adult now, and he's married, but he, got, he struggles with some same-sex stuff, and he got out to eat with his uh, parents, and he, during the entire meal, his mother would lean over to his father and say, "You know, tuck in your shirt. It's your shirt's hanging out. Uh, are, mm. are you gonna, uh, quit smacking your food? Uh, uh, are, why are your glasses almost falling off your nose?" And he, she'd reach over and push his glasses up, and you know, it was just kind of like this constant wow. thing of uh, he could he could never quite do anything to her standard. And the boy, now the man that I'm talking about, the boy remember when he was a boy, he could remember feeling a lot of times that same way that there was just never anything that she really quite approved of with him so would you almost say that what this begins to develop in in the in that home in that environment is really an unsettled feeling because don't you think in in where you know where maybe the goal of relationships are are pointed or, or healthy relationships there's a um there's a settled state to it. There's a, there's the idea that you you feel settled, you feel um, safe, you feel secure, and what you're saying is maybe in this environment where there's this critical spirit, that doesn't really exist. Sure, a critical spirit really sets up a an environment of distrust. I can't really fully trust what she says to me or what he says to me. That I have to always be on my guard. That right around the corner. There could be something lurking that could say, yes, you're approved of, but what about this? So then what, what typically happens then to the parties that are involved in that kind of environment? I mean, how, wh how does a person generally respond to a critical spirit? Well, they generally either go both, either one of two ways. They either stay on their guard all the time and are constantly hypervigilant, and then they learn to watch... Am I in approval state right now, or am I in a disapproval state with this person right now? And and I'm saying this person intentionally because it's not always mom. I don't want moms to sure, think, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, sometimes it's dad. But either that, or they go the opposite direction, which is I will never live up to your approval. So they will rebel against everything. They're the student who drops out. They're the student who makes all Fs. They're the student who quits trying and says I can't do anything right by you, so I'm not going to try anymore. And then there may even be the and and there may even be the one on either side of that, whether they do the hypervigilant or they rebel, that it's all happening underground. 
Sure. Meaning, meaning, the surface is not showing you what's going. They they right. may be rebelling, but it's a silent, under, you know, sort of passive aggressive rebel. Because I think you know it's it's interesting as we're talking about this. I'm sort of my own history is sort of coming up. I noticed that. And <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think um, and. It's interesting because, you know, when this stuff starts coming out, I mean, my mom and I have worked through a ton of this stuff. I mean, and, and of course, she's had all the feelings of guilt and all that kind of stuff. And 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 what's interesting is so many families that sort of are within these parameters, what we might call a critical spirit, uh, That's it's rare, if ever, when a parent is confronted that the intention was ever in their mind. I mean, most, almost every, almost 99% of the time, the parent who might be confronted with their son or daughter years down the road who's now dealing with all of their dysfunction coming out of this critical spirit environment, when they're confronted with that, they're thinking, my intention was to create this safe environment, to create this sort of utopia, perfect existence for you, and didn't realize that in the attempt to create that, they might have sort of missed relationship. Sure. And I think that's the ultimate goal of a critical spirit. And I call it a, a spirit intentionally because I do think it's a spirit. I think it gets into a family. And I think its sole desire is to keep everything on the surface. Because to get down deep, you have to fully accept one another. Hey, I may, I may, I may live up to your expectations every day, or I may fail your expectations two or three times during the day, but are you still going to love me? Mm-hmm. And yet a critical spirit, <clears throat> while not intentional in the person because I think the person I think you're right truly is trying to make it a perfect environment they're thinking is the more perfect it is the more my children will be happy or the more life will be happy you know and all whatever that is but I think ultimately the spirit wants to dissolve that and make it a very surface relationship where everything that is seen makes a person feel like it's okay and everything that's unseen is never talked about. Well, and it's so interesting because as we're talking, it's really it, it really starts to form this great picture of a paradox. Because what what a person thinks, what a parent, you know, what parents may think is going to produce deep relationships by creating a perfect environment actually then suppresses healthy Absolutely. relationship. And the idea of allowing a an environment in which there's freedom to to fail, to be flawed, to be broken. Not that, not that we, um, you know, encourage perpetual failure. We encourage you to continue to be a slug and a sloth and a slime ball or whatever. It's like, sure. But the fact that, that love permeates that and that there's very messy environment actually provides the only environment in which you can have healthy, deep, connected relationships. So it's really a paradox in terms of the way a lot of people think. Sure. And even culturally, I think we've bought into that. Most definitely. And and coming from somebody who's grown up in a critical home uh, and now has trouble dealing with it myself, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you <laughs> hate Now I that. hope my wife isn't listening to this or my children. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you don't talk about it, maybe <laughs> exactly, yeah. you never know it's yours. But, uh, you know, you can feel it happening. You can feel, and I think it's based in fear. I think a lot of critical spirits are based in fear. I have a fear that life won't be perfect, right. and therefore if it's not perfect, then I'll be disappointed, and I'll disappoint fear. those around me. And then I think another, another, I think, huge component of the critical spirit is I have a fear of being out of control. Sure. I think control is a huge aspect of a critical spirit because I think in this environment where there's a critical spirit, 
there's a lot of manipulation that goes on. Sure. And and it, and and in that environment, I think everybody, all the parties involved, they learn the little manipulation dance. We learn how to pull each other's strings and how to get what, and it becomes a very self-focused environment. Sure. And so, sometimes even so subtly that the people involved aren't realizing just how self-focused it is. Oh, most definitely. And and how fear-focused it is. Mm-hmm. Because it's, uh, I think that's why most of the guys that we work with who have sexual addiction, and I know we're talking primarily about same-sex attraction, but I believe it runs through the right. heterosexual side of the house as well, is that the critical spirit, a guy is, he's he's desperate to get away from it. And so he will turn to his own sexuality to try to get away from it. And uh, one of those things that I've always seen is that, you know, in sexuality, you never have to be perfect. And you can be as messy and out of control as you want. And as long as you keep it secret from that critical spirit, then they never have to know. be the wiser because you can put on a great show on the outside. Well, you know, here's what I've found interesting because as you're saying that, I'm thinking, man, this is, this is amazing how certain uh, things are clicking together in my mind as far as like, you know, when I was deep into my addiction, here I have this whole facade that is being presented to my family, to my wife, to my church, and it's this perfect facade of this guy that's this great Christian guy who's got it all together, got the wife and all that kind of stuff. And what was what's fascinating to me is that I would escape to this secret world of sexual addiction and I would feel, this is going to sound crazy, but I know there are listeners that are going to totally resonate when I say this. I would escape to the secret world of sexual addiction, and I would feel free to be whoever I was. Sure. I would feel, and now that's, that is a weird dynamic there, that you, that I would go to the dark, I would go into the hiding place, I would go into sin to feel free. Right, because if you can think about it, I know we're adults now talking about it, but if you're a 12 or 13, 14-year-old young boy and you're living under the critical spirit, you will never make anybody happy because the critical spirit always will find something slightly wrong with everything that you Mm do. Uh, You know, it's like the other guy was talking about that he couldn't leave the house without his mother. You know, he was 12 and 13 years old. He'd get dressed and his mother always had some comment. You know, are you sure you're going to wear that shirt or that shirt doesn't really match those shorts or are you sure you're going to wear those shoes today? It might get cold. You know, it's like everything he did had to be put through the, 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 the uh, you know, scrutiny of, of her of her deciding what was best for him. And it was just an amazing process because in, in his sexuality, he could go off in his room and look at porn and masturbate and do all these things. And he never had to be perfect. He never had yeah. to be good at it. He never had to. It, it always seemed to work, whether it worked or not. And and this, I think, is why this is why I think then guys get trapped into the into an addiction to sex and pornography and those kind of things, because you combine the fact that there's this sense of freedom and and I'm going to clear that up that's that's not true freedom right. but there is a sense of freedom because you're not under the critical spirit there's a sense of freedom in those things combined with your sexuality and that is a powerful combination sure i always compare the critical spirit home and this is not to offend anybody i always compare it like a desert you know everything may be in its place but it's pretty dry and dusty and there's not a lot of moisture there and so you're going to go find, wherever you can find it, you're going to find something to kind of wet your whistle a little bit. And that's where sexuality begins to bust wide open because it make, it allows you to feel. 
It allows you to be unleashed and not always in control. It allows you to do all kinds of craziness and never have to really be held accountable to it. Whereas over in this desert area, you're held accountable for everything you do on a on a pretty high barred level. And I wouldn't you say also this is why it can be so difficult for um, somebody ensnared in sexual addiction to break free from it. Sure, because there's this idea. That says, hey, you know what? Part of uh, part of recovering from sexual addiction is, you know, you're gonna have to learn some new disciplines. You're gonna have to put yourself into accountability relationships and really understand how to operate under under authority, God's authority, and all this. Kind of, and it, to to the sex addict who's come from a critical spirit, That's escaped right. into pornography and sex addiction, it feels like somebody's saying, hey, you got to go back into a critical spirit type environment. Sure. And so, how do you help that person sort of gain a new picture of what? purity looks like rather than saying i just got to go under a bunch of a bunch of rules again well that's why i'm really not a proponent of this uh consequence-based treatment you know behavior modification kinds of stuff i think that is i think that feeds into the perfection-based model i think it feeds into some sort of performance-based yeah exactly and so it's uh so I really think a guy has to come to the place where he begins to work on his belief that I'm not going to be perfect at this. And if I'm not perfect at it, that's okay. But then there's that unfortunate piece that sometimes we marry our mothers or we marry people like our mother. And so sometimes they may have accidentally already married a wife that is has a critical spirit. And so she's constantly fearing, oh my gosh, things aren't going to be perfect right. now that you have this sexual addiction. And so... You know, they very well may feel like they're right back in that place again. But God usually exposes a sexual addiction for healing, and that healing doesn't always just mean healing your sexuality. Sometimes it's healing that inner boy that says, hey, I can't live under this perfection criticalness anymore. And I think that's why it's important to, uh, you know, have support along the way. Uh, you know, biblically based support that's going to tell somebody the truth and say, hey, listen, listen, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. That's right. And and I think that's the that's really the danger that happens in a critical spirit environment is that it becomes about rules. It becomes legalistic. It becomes performance based, perfectionistic. Right. And listen, nobody can live perpetually under that weight. Well, the critical spirit wants nothing more than you to act great on the outside because he doesn't really or it doesn't really care whether you're acting crazy on the inside. All he it cares about is that you look good on the outside so you never change on the inside. And and that's what I hope I hope those who are out there that are just, you know, they're they're in the dark, they're struggling with this whole I've been under a critical spirit and I feel free when I'm you know, doing my sexual thing. Although reality, when I put my head on the pillow at night, I don't feel free. Sure. I feel trapped. And so I feel like I'm kind of in this limbo. I want to paint a picture where they see that, you know, Jesus is the one that said, you know, his commands are not burdensome. Right. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. The idea is the reason for that is because he invites us into a relationship. And when you learn to walk with Jesus. And part of walking with Jesus is you're going to have to walk with some other folks. Right. You're going to have to walk with some brothers in Christ, and you're going to have to learn what it is to be an authentic relationship, not this facade where, okay, I'm going to perform to everybody else's standards. That's right. Hiding all my flaws, but really walking authentically. Then I think you can start to really, you know, you mentioned the desert example. Then I think you can really start to taste living water. Sure. Cool, because the amazing thing about Christ is a critical spirit says... You have to do it all on your own. 
I am the one in charge. I must make her happy, him happy, whomever is critical of me. I must make make it better today. Oh, if I can jump through this hoop, then I'll jump through that hoop, and I can do it. Christ says, no, you can't do it. Yeah. Live, allow me to live through you, and I will do th- do it for you. See, that's just it. I think there's, and and I hope the listeners have really heard that because I think sometimes it's amazing to me, and probably to you too, how many of the guys that we deal with that have just never heard the truth presented that way. Absolutely. They've they've never heard it put that. Guess what? You are not called nor able to do what everybody else has expected you to do. Absolutely. You're. you're in fact, the one who knows you the best is the one who also says, I know you can't do it. That's right. And it's like, I mean, to me, this message should be the most liberating thing for a person who's been trapped in this dark world. Right. But unfortunately, right now, we probably also have some wives who might be listening going, what the heck are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because now you're telling my husband he can't do it. And so I've been looking for all these guidelines and these rules that say he can do it so I can make feel safer in this relationship. And so that's what God really does do. He begins to heal that whole process of it's not about rules and making sure you make me feel better because that's really the critical spirit at times. Is, well, that's what I would say. What would you say to the wife or maybe to the parents uh, of, you know, the ones who are struggling with having a critical spirit? What would you say to them in, tor- in terms of helping them maybe break free from that? Because there may be some that go, okay, I- I'm willing to acknowledge, yeah, that's me. What do I do? How do I break free from this? I can only tell you from somebody who's done it <laughs> or who's tried to do it and break free is I think the most important thing is is just to ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to allow you to see it sometimes. And sometimes when I see it, then I'm supposed to just shh, be quiet. Don't say that. Just hold my tongue. Because sometimes a critical spirit always wants you to point out those things that could be done slightly better and sometimes it's about just being quiet and saying you know what that's great your shirt doesn't match your pants you're wearing all kinds of craziness today who cares you know what you didn't you drew outside the lines today that's okay you know it's it's sometimes realizing that the moment is more important than how perfect the moment was yeah you know and that's a hard thing to grasp because perfectionists like perfectness and so if we've been raised in perfection we can sometimes desire that from our kids it's not that i'm condemning anyone i've been there myself it's more of a statement of you know it it stinks because it feels bad if you really sit down and think about it you feel bad too if you've got the critical spirit because you're you're, you've sensed that you're constantly pointing out craziness in other people but you don't know how to stop it sometimes and sometimes guys just whispered in my ear just keep your mouth closed, you know, don't say anything and yeah. start doing that. Once you realize that it's like, wow, I'm really going to be quiet here. It'll take all your energy to hold it back. Cause what you'd like to do is say something. But what he says is don't be critical right now. Accept it the way it is. It's perfect the way it is. And and as a recovering critic, uh, I, I can, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like I'm about 50, 50 on this and, and, you know, 12 years in, and I hope that doesn't discourage listeners. You know, it's like, Hey, we're all in process. It's a hard one to break. But one of the things is, is same sort of idea. It's like God gives me, uh, you know, sort of statements that I need to keep telling myself. And, and one of the statements that he's really revealed to me is that life is messy. Mm -hmm. Life is messy. Life is messy. Life is messy. And it's like, it's like, I just, I've, I come from a background and come from a history where it's like, no, life is clean. 
life is put together. Life is in order. There's no chaos. And, and it's like, it's amazing how God will bring into your experience and into your circumstance the very thing that's going to break you of whatever it is that's leading you towards performance-based, sure. perfectionism. Rules. If you let him. Yeah, and so, well, and he'll even be faithful to keep bringing it in there. Uh, you know, even even if we are unwilling sometimes, he'll right. keep bringing it in there and because and he, he's faithful. He's faithful to keep carving away at us. And so I would I would really encourage those parents or the wives out there to let God speak those statements to you. Absolutely. And I, and I do want to speak to the guy who's struggling with same-sex attraction out there specifically because this thing this thing can be really it can really attack that guy at the roots because yeah. he's already feeling critical of his himself. He already feels I'm not quite the boy I should be. He's already been told that I'm not living up to the to the boy I'm supposed to be. Uh, he already, maybe if it is mom who has a critical spirit, he's lived under her constant requirement of being perfect, and so he's tried to adjust to that. He can't live up to dad's requirement, and so he's kind of turned away from that. And so that whole criticalness is then turned in on him, and he's telling himself over and over, I don't live up to this, I don't live up to that. Look at that guy over there. He looks better than I do. He must have it more together than I do. He's more masculine than I am. He's more put, you know, he's more built than I am. He's got more this than I've got. He's got more that than I've got. And so he is criticizing himself at every turn because that's what the critical spirit does even to the person who's passed it down. They they can always they never live up to a right. a perfect standard. And so trying to destroy that perfect standard sometimes is realizing, you know, the idol of perfection that I'm looking at, I've got to stop looking at. You know, and that's for that same sex guy. That's that that's that guy he looks at and says, Man, he's got it all together. He's got the chiseled chin, he's got the nice body, he's got all this stuff that says he's got it all put together and he's super masculine. It's it's time to say, look, this guy's no more perfect than anybody else. It's just that he happens to look like the image that I want and then you gotta start working on that because that's where the critical spirit lives. Well, and that's why I think we're instructed in the Bible to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's right. And what's interesting to me is you fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the perfect one. That's right. And well, by fixing your eyes on Jesus, sometimes it's actually saying, look, that's not perfect. Thank you, Jesus, for making me the way I am. And 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 what I find fascinating about fixing your eyes on Jesus is as you look at the perfect one, you you don't look at him and then and then think shameful thoughts toward yourself because you look at jesus and he looks at you and goes i'm totally crazy about you that's right and i made you just the way you are exactly i wouldn't change a thing about you and so that's that's an important part both for the the one who's critical and the one who's receiving criticism absolutely fix your eyes on jesus and and uh and follow him that's right and to put legs to that absolutely say it out loud i'm going to trust you jesus you made me this way and so i'm not going to question what you made and I don't have to be perfect today, so if if uh, things go crazy and things all fall apart, I'm going to trust in you today anyway. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart.
Your love has done its part. Now let him lay.